feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Lovely Rita, meet a maid, nothing can come between us. When it gets dark, I tow your heart away. Standing by a parking Well, mirror. the third hearing for January 6th is now one for the record books. And I always thought the one today was probably going to be one of the ugliest and one of the most painful to hear. And I was right in that regard. You guys, you know, I always tell it to you straight here on the Rita Cosby show. When I was listening to it, it's always hard to hear some of the comments and who can forget some of these horrible chants that were coming from some of the rioters on January 6th and the very partisan Democratic-led House Select Committee, of course, played it over and over and over again. And every time I hear it, I kind of cringe. I don't like hearing this, but this is how they started out. Take a listen. Hang Mike Pence. And that's what they were chanting for quite some time. They were playing the video today. And, yeah, it's very emotional. Um, It's hard to watch when you hear rioters saying that about the vice president of the United States at the time doing the vote. So I want to get your reaction to the emotion of today's January 6th hearing because I felt like absolutely – It was kind of gut-wrenching to hear some of the things. Very painful, I think, to hear some of the things. It was a very painful moment, I think, in American history to hear people chanting and shouting that way about our sitting vice president. To hear some of the back and forth that was going on between President Trump and the vice president. To hear the way the rioters were reacting as well. There's some pretty heavy stuff. So I want to get your thoughts on the emotion and some of the things that were played, like those chants from the rioters. Again, that was from the rioters, not President Trump, but those were from the rioters, and it's on videotape. These have been played before. Um, And also, there was also this moment where they played, this is video and witness testimony, basically saying that the rioters, the way they were positioned at one point, because remember, Mike Pence wouldn't leave the Capitol that night on January 6th. The Secret Service pulled up. They tried to put everybody in the car. They put his attorney in the car. They put a whole bunch of other people on his team in the car. And Mike Pence said, I am not leaving. This is what was recounted today. And we heard this before, too, that he said, on January 6th, at this moment, I am not leaving the building. I am not letting the rioters win. I am going to continue. We're going to certify this vote because that's what he said that the attorneys and many of them recounted it today in the hearing, too, that that's what they were telling him he was supposed to do. And so he said, I am not leaving the building. We are not going to let these rioters win. I'm not going to look like I am running for my life, even though it sounded like they were clearly out to get him and it was scary. And he said, I'm staying here and I'm going to certify the election like I'm supposed to do, that he felt he was supposed to do, and that his attorneys were advising him to do. 
And today we did hear from two of the attorneys that were advising Mike Pence, and they repeated just that. Also, Mark Short, who is Mike Pence's longtime assistant, kind of recounted some of the things that were said. And he said that, yeah, Mike Pence even reiterated it to the president. He made it clear to his attorneys. His attorneys were advising him of that. And he learned today just how close that a lot of these rioters were to the actual vice president at the time. It was actually pretty scary to hear just how close and at these heated emotions and all these other things that were going on, how close they were to the actual vice president. Here is some witness and video testimony that was played today during the House hearing to give you a sense of how close they were to Pence at that time. It was clear that it was escalating and escalating quickly. So then when that tweet, the Mike Pence tweet, um, was sent out, um, I remember us saying that that was the last thing that needed to be tweeted at that moment. The situation was already bad, and so it felt like he was pouring gasoline on the fire by tweeting that. 30 seconds later, rioters already inside the Capitol opened the East Rotunda door just down the hall. And just 30 seconds after that, rioters breached the crypt, one floor below the vice president. The Secret Service couldn't control the situation and do their job of keeping him safe. At 2.26 p.m., Secret Service rushed Vice President Pence down the stairs. I think they had been trying to figure out whether they had a clear route to get us to wherever it was that they wanted to move us to. We moved pretty quickly down the stairs and through various hallways and tunnels to the secure location. Uh, Upon arriving there, there was further discussion as to whether or not we were going to leave the Capitol complex or stay where we were. Vice President Pence and his team ultimately were led to a secure location where they stayed for the next four and a half hours, barely missing rioters a few feet away. And his attorney, Greg Jacobs, who was counsel to Vice President Pence at the time, said that he didn't realize until today how close the rioters got. He knew that things were getting heated, but he didn't realize how close. Approximately 40 feet. That's all there was. 40 feet between the vice president and the mob. Mr. Jacob, you were there, seeing that for the first time. Does it surprise you to see how close the mob was to the evacuation route that you took? The 40 feet is the distance from me to you, roughly. I could hear the din of the rioters in the building while we moved, but I don't think I was aware that they were as close as that. And then they also played some witness testimony of a call that was made that day between President Trump and Mike Pence when he basically learned that Pence was not going to stop the electoral process. And President Trump, in his typical President Trump style, didn't hold anything back. He called him a wimp and the old P word and a whole bunch more. And a lot of people talked about that conversation that they overheard. Did you hear any part of the phone call, even if just this, the end that the president was speaking from? I did, yes. All right. And what did you hear? So as I was dropping off the note, um, I, I, my memory, I remember hearing the word wimp. Either he called him a wimp. I don't remember if he said, you are a wimp, you'll be a wimp. Wimp is the word I remember. It's also been reported that the president said to the vice president that something to the effect that you don't have the courage to make a hard decision. Worse, 
And I don't remember exactly either, but something like that, yeah. Do you, being a, you, like being, you're not tough enough to make the call. It was a different tone than I'd heard him take um, with the vice president before. Did Ms. Trump share with you any more details about what had happened or any details about what had happened in the Oval Office that morning? That her dad had just had an upsetting conversation with the vice president. Do you recall anything about her demeanor either during the meeting or when you encountered her in Dan Scavino's office? Uh, I don't remember specifically. I mean, I think she was uncomfortable over the fact that there was obviously that type of interaction between the two of them. Something to the effect, this is the wording's wrong. I made the wrong decision four or five years ago. And the, the word that she relayed to that the president called the vice president, I apologize for being impolite, but do you remember what she said? Her father called him. The P word. The P word. And by the way, President Trump, I can totally see him saying those words and a whole lot more because he genuinely felt that Pence had the opportunity to hold off on certifying the election, that he could maybe send it back to the states. He could look at other things. He could look at all these other options. So what did you think of the emotion of the moment? What I want to tell you is, yeah, there was a lot of emotion, and I don't like hearing the hang Mike Pence. My, I just cringe every time I hear that. It's hard to hear, and I'm sure it's probably hard for all of you to hear too. And the fact that rioters were so angry and so frustrated with Michael Pence and the vice president there at the time, as we know, that he, you know, was in a position where they were worried about his safety, worried about his security, trying to get him out of the building. I mean, there's a lot of avenues there that were painful. And I always thought when they said they're going to do the January 6 hearings, my first thought is this is probably going to be the most difficult day or one of the most difficult days, because we know already on tape that the rioters were saying that. We know that they were saying that they were out to get Pence. They were out to get AOC. They were out to get Pelosi. Um, The question is, after all of this, where do we go from here? Is it all still one big show just to kind of rile up your emotions? And, yeah, we don't like what the rioters said. But I don't like also what the rioters were saying in January 2020. And I don't like Maxine Waters saying, you know, get in their face, do this, do that. And if you look at also what President Trump was saying, even in the tweet was like, you know, I'm disappointed with Vice President Pence. He doesn't say in his tweet that they even read today, you know what, Uh, go after Mike Pence, do whatever you can to harm him, break his legs or anything like that. He doesn't say anything like that. He just says, I'll be really disappointed If he doesn't do the right thing. And then he says at one point that he felt he didn't have the courage to do the right thing. He clearly was disappointed with Pence. I mean, the one thing you know about Trump is he speaks what he thinks. I mean, that's what he said. And even if you look at what he said, can you still make a case as the Democrats are trying to do and connect the dots and say, well, he's responsible for the violence that he directly created this insurrection that he was part of the violent aspect of it he was disappointed he wanted his vice president to do it if you asked him today i promise you if i saw him down saw him somewhere and said hey what do you think he would repeat the same thing you know what they're trying to say is that he basically knew that this was false 
and he went with this false premise, and then he basically said, hang Mike Pence. There's a lot of problems with that case, and I tell you that from a legal perspective, because as I sit here and listen to it, I go, wait a minute. He still believes that the election was stolen. So it's not like he's going on a false premise. He genuinely believes it's still stolen from him. He genuinely believes that there was some latitude in the way the electoral process and the way the Constitution's written. And by the way, a number of scholars repeated this today, that there is a little bit of ambiguity there. It's never been challenged before. So they said this is uncharted territory, too. And so... He genuinely believes that there was maybe room for Mike Pence to do this, even if a lot of other legal scholars, as we heard today, said, that's crazy. It's rubber room stuff. It's whatever it is. But he still said there may be an option, that that's what he believes, and he still believes that today. And so there's nothing I don't see right now where they are directly saying This man was part of the violence. This man created a false narrative that he knew was false. Just because somebody tells you something doesn't work or it's not correct or it's false or it's crazy, you know, any of those things, it doesn't mean it actually is. It just means that's that person's opinion. And that's clearly what a number of people were telling him, people close to him. His White House counsels, a couple of them were clearly saying it. We've heard the testimony. People close to Mike Pence were saying it. The the vice president himself even said that, that I don't have the authority. But then even today in testimony, and this is the very stilted Democratic-led testimony, they opened the door and they basically said, well, you know what? There is a little bit of latitude there. And even though it's a little unclear because it's uncharted territories, my belief is X. But they basically put a condition on it. So how can you say that just because he doesn't agree with what those other legal experts said, other ones were clearly telling him otherwise? It's just like if you go to any law case, somebody's going to say, you know what, I don't agree with this or these others do. And guess who you're going to have represent you, the ones who you want to believe in that you think will go with your case. And he still believes that to this day. And that's why so far, despite this being, I thought, a really painful day, I don't think it looked good for former President Trump when you hear him criticizing, you know, his vice president. But a lot of these things we knew were out there already. We knew even the hang Mike Pence was out there. It's not a pretty day for America. It wasn't a pretty day for, for Trump. But you know what? It's still a pretty good day for him legally. And to me, it looked like a pretty big political vendetta. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And when we come back, I am going to take your calls. I want to hear what you thought of this. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Because we're playing a little Leonard Skinner, give me three steps. And by the way, in the last few minutes, we're learning that President Donald Trump isn't saying give me three steps. He's saying give me equal airtime because he is saying 
that the networks have given these guys of the select house committee tons of hours. In fact, they have. They gave them tons of hours in prime time last week. They gave them a lot of hours this week. We know that there are three more hearings to go next week. Um, that's a lot of airtime. And people are playing it wall to wall. And he's going, wait a minute, this is so one-sided. They're not allowing any people representing my side. That's clear. They wouldn't let that, which is why it's so partisan. And he's now asking all the major networks that are airing the hearings to give him, quote, hours of equal time for him to bolster the debunked claims. Um, So this is interesting. I actually think they should do it. I think it would be brilliant or do a rebuttal and maybe all of them have to carry it. Maybe same amount of time, do an equal rebuttal. And actually, that would be brilliant. You know, does, okay, I'm going to do two hours on a Thursday night from, you know, prime time, 8 to 10. And we're going to do X amount of time the other night. And we're going to do the, I think it'd be brilliant. And I actually think he should at least get one or two or something equal time, a few hours with him and his legal team to make a rebuttal. Bravo, President Trump, because so far this has been one big pony show. Yeah, it doesn't look pretty, but I don't know how it is moving the bottom line and it's moving the dial. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Al on line seven. Al, your thoughts about this and especially today's hearing. You know, Rita, I just wanted to say, you know, thank you for taking my call. You know, I never condone violence and, you know, or civil disobedience. And I don't like that the right, you know, if I, I, I voted for Trump, uh, President Trump last time, and I would like to see him run again, but we'll see what happens in the future. But, and if I was there that day at a rally, I wouldn't have gone into the Capitol because I know that's trespassing. But the left likes to categorize what these protesters did that day as they're, they like to categorize them as uh, domestic terrorist. And I don't believe that these individuals should be categorized as domestic terrorists. Uh, to me, a domestic terrorist would be somebody like the Unabomber. So again, I don't like what happened that day, and it's a sad day that it did occur, but I think the country should move on. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel that way. And, you know, the the word domestic terrorists has been thrown around so much, Al, just like you said. I think there were a lot of people, put it this way, if they're domestic terrorists, they are the worst domestic terrorists I've ever heard in terms of planning because, yeah. you know, they didn't bring weapons. You know, they didn't bring, you know, I mean, you could say, obviously, you know, like, uh, you know, some of the things they had with them. You know, uh, you know, whether it's a, a bar or a stick or whatever, you know, some of those things. But I'm talking about, you know, like an armed force or whatever. If you're planning to be uh, doing something that's, you know, nefarious and take people over and take them at gunpoint, you, you know, you come in with, you know, guns and this and that. They didn't do that. I, I mean, yeah. you know, so that's why I think they they got wrapped up in the emotion And some of them clearly got carried away and I think should pay a price if they did anything illegal in terms of, you know, pushing an officer or any of those things. I hate that. I think, you know, that's obviously wrong. But I don't think so far I haven't seen the case, Al, of them like planning and plotting. And that's what this committee is trying to show. And in fact, I mean, there's new information that 
um, that basically, you know, all these different law enforcement groups were warned that there's going to be a lot of people coming. And where was the where was all this extra security? I mean, there's exactly. there's there's a lot of weird questions that aren't answered on that side. And yet we seem to kind of like you just said, they're quickly arresting anybody who was even like in the area. And there are a lot of people who are in the area there because they were passionate supporters of Trump and didn't go into the Capitol, didn't break anything, didn't do anything. And they're being vilified. And I think I agree with you. I think I think this term domestic terrorists is so overused. And the fact that they were actually calling parents that, you know, in Loudoun County, Virginia, you know, that to me is like, whoa. But yet they won't go after, really, the people who've been protesting outside Kavanaugh's home. You know, it took a guy showing up, you know, with all these weapons to basically have them even wake up. But we're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Rita Cosby is on. Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a very powerful story coming from Longwood, Florida, where Longwood officers sprang into action earlier this week to save a boy with autism who was stuck in the middle of a retention pond. Police said that the boy was in the middle of the pond and struggling to stay above water. The two officers swam into the pond to grab the boy, bringing him close enough to the shoreline for a third officer to pull him up. The officer said that they were able to calm the boy and dry him off as they waited for the fire department to arrive. Uh, the officers later said that they have no doubt that their uh, their other comrades' heroic actions saved the life of this autistic child. They said, quote, that they feel humbled and proud to get to witness their fellow comrades in action and see their selflessness on display to save the life of this young boy. What a powerful story and how beautiful to be able to save this boy with autism and he is said to be doing okay, thanks to the great men and women in blue. Well, we are talking about today's January 6 hearings. It was the third one. And there were some tough things that were said. You even heard like Ivanka Trump saying that she had never really heard her father talking to Vice President Pence like that before. And yeah, President Trump was upset because he didn't want him to certify the electors. He thought that there was something in the Constitution that said had a little bit of wiggle room that maybe they could do something. By the way, he's still saying that today. So he's pretty transparent about how he feels. And yet it was so one-sided in the hearing that clearly they're playing on the emotion. Clearly they are playing a political vendetta against this president. I mean, it's very clear. And at one point, even Benny Thompson, who is the chairman of the hearing, came out And I was really stunned, actually, about this, because at the end of the hearing today, Benny Thompson comes and says, well, you know what? Down the road, we're going to talk about the Electoral College Act. In other words, we're going to talk about how we can maybe change the Electoral College and wipe out the Electoral College. That's one of the things that a number of the Democrats are discussing. And guess what that would do? That would essentially get rid of the Electoral College, which would mean 
that basically Democrats would almost be assured to win the presidency for the rest of the lifetime of any of us and well beyond. I I mean, does that sound fair? I mean, that's not it it would have to be a constitutional change to get rid and change the Electoral College because they just feel like giving other states that maybe don't have as big a population a voice that that's not fair. So they want to change the whole system and say to heck with, you know, Adams and George Washington and Jefferson. Ah, who cares about them? We're going to create our own new path. I mean, that's what's showing. It's showing that they are trying to do something else to change 2024. And the midterms coming up, obviously, too, which is not tied to the Electoral College. But they clearly are out for political means. And they kept talking about it. In fact, they even said, you know, we're here because we have to watch not just what happened on January 6th, but we have to see what's going to happen down the road in 2024. To me, if I were them, I would have, if I were their like team of, of advisors, I would have been like, nip it, guys. Don't talk about the future or political because then you look even more blatantly partisan than you already do. But here is one of the attorneys who spoke. Uh, this is J. Michael Ludig, who I thought had even less energy than President Biden. Listen to this guy. When he first started talking, I was like, oh, my gosh, is he like Joe Biden's brother? Do they go to the same school of speaking? Take a listen to him. That declaration of Donald Trump as the next president would have plunged America into what I believe would have been tantamount to a revolution within a constitutional crisis in America, which in my view would have been the first constitutional crisis since the founding of the Republic. Now, we trimmed a little bit of that because he took like five second pauses between every word. I promise you that would have taken five minutes in real time. So here is another comment that he made. And does this guy sound like he's an impartial witness? Almost two years after that fateful day in January 2021, that still Donald Trump and his allies and supporters are a clear and present danger to American democracy. So he said the reason I'm speaking, and again, we cut off his like five-minute pauses because it was like I could have taken like a five-minute nap between each word that this guy was saying. It was like, I believe, right? So after all of that, right, you get to it, finally, and he gets to the point about, you know, feeling that is he's there to protect democracy. He's the guy on the white knight who's there to protect democracy um, and believes that Trump um, should not, you know, be president again. And that's what he basically said is the reason, which is not the reason why the hearing is convened. It's to did some activity happen that could be potentially criminal that they could refer to DOJ tying Trump to violence that day. So it's a whole different matter. So to me, that made it so blatantly political. But take a listen, because what really sealed the deal is what I was just talking about. When Benny Thompson, who is the committee chair, actually said this today after the hearing was over with. Take a listen. As a part of the select committee's charge to make recommendations that are informed by other investigative findings, we will be reviewing the views shared by Judge Ludic and other experts 
on potential improvements to the Electoral Count Act, among a range of other initiatives. So we're going to talk about the Electoral College, and there's so many things that we are going to try to push politically as a result of these hearings, because this is all basically politically driven. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norm on line three. Go ahead, Norm, your thoughts real quick. Yeah. Hi, Rita. Um, I Nothing. Okay. We did not go. Uh, and I say we, I say the 55 people that I was on the bus with uh, from leaving from Staten Island Mall early in the morning, told to stop the steel bus. We did not go to stage an insurrection. Okay, I I heard nothing about uh, hanging pens. I didn't hear anything. The spirit was now this was um, the rally. Okay, we did not. You know, I none of of the people on my on my bus, um, you know, uh, went into the Capitol, as far as I know. And and the 55 people on the sister bus, I don't think so either. for me, uh, January 6th was a, a large rally, a rather peaceful rally, okay? And I, you know, I really wonder by the types of people that I, I have seen in some of the, um, number one, their usage of masks, which we don't wear them, okay? And the fact that they were, uh, I think they were Antifa. I think that there's, uh, you know, this is a secret society, Okay, this Antifa and uh, they're bad people. I mean, they they do they do violence all over the damn world. And and I'm you know, I, you know, I this for as far as I'm concerned, this is a false flag operation. That that's my opinion. And 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 listen, Norm, your opinion's really interesting because you were there. um, And I think there's still a lot of questions about January 6th that I wish we would get to the bottom of. Um, that who knows if we'll ever, we clearly won't get to the bottom of, uh, of it this way with these guys, um, you know, because this is one-sided and they clearly want no response and no tough questioning. Um, but, Norm, it's always great to get your call. Uh, let's go to Teddy on line one. Ted, what are your thoughts? My thoughts, Rita, I just can't believe your callers, Norm and Alex and that uh, uh, Donald Duck woman, Okay, their their minds are warped. They that's why they would have failed my geometry class because it requires thinking and reasoning. And I bet you anything that they don't know what the parallel postulate is. And I don't even think you know what the parallel postulate is. Okay, Rita, Rita, this, all the right, Ted, 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 hang on, Ted, yeah. hang on one second. I do know what a parallel universe is, and and you seem to be living in it. But go ahead. Rita, I'm living in reality. You're living in fantasy. You're in denial. You remind me of the parents who say, why are you picking on my student? Why can't Johnny read? Why can't Johnny add? You blame the teacher. You don't blame yourself. Rita, take responsibility. Your Republicans are out of order, okay? I want that Donald Duck woman to hear this. Who's the Donald Duck woman, by the way? You know, I, I don't, first of all, I'm not even sure, but two things. First, First off, Ted, obviously, because they're not here to respond. So I'll respond on their behalf. Um, I'm not sure what what is getting you so riled up, because what, what are you what are you seeing? I mean, I'm seeing clearly they are using this for a political gain. They just said it. They said it blatantly today that, oh, we're going to look at the Electoral College. 
This has been a Democrat's dream all along is to basically get rid of the, you know, the Electoral College. Somebody, Michael Dukakis, um, who's maybe one of your idols, um, that Michael Dukakis has been seeking for a long time. So Benny Thompson, it's like, oh, good. OK, we're going to try to do that. We're going to try to what uh, make everything mail in ballots, do what all these things. Um, you can just see where it's going. And so to me, I actually think that hurt the Democrats case. I thought it was and Teddy, by the way, and you may have heard this because I said at the beginning, I didn't like hearing any of this stuff where it was like hang Mike Pence. Um, I've known Mike Pence a long time. I've known President Trump a long time. Um, and I don't like, you know, I thought Mike Pence did a very honorable job as his vice president. I thought he served him incredibly well during the time that he was in the White House. And obviously, Mike Pence didn't agree with the president. And I don't like hearing riders saying anything about him or anybody else, by the way. It doesn't matter if it's Republican or Democrat. I wouldn't like I didn't like any of the language about what they planned to do to Pelosi or AOC or anybody. I don't advocate that at all. On the other hand, they also said that we're here basically to make sure that President Trump doesn't run again because we're kind of worried about him running again because, you know, maybe he could beat us, basically. I'm just they didn't say that. But that is clearly the sentiment that other people took from it. And just because one person advises one thing, if another person advises another thing, then it's a different set of facts you're getting presented. So so go ahead, Ted, because you clearly know better than anybody else. So go ahead. Right. Rita, it would be a catastrophe if Mike Pence had acquiesced and done what Trump wanted him to do. It was illegal. And also, Rita, in today's testimony, the Proud Boys were very close. They would have killed Mike Pence. They were 40 feet away from him. They were going to kill him. And you don't talk about that at all. Oh, I actually did, Teddy. So that that's why, you know, I'm not sure what planet you're on, but I actually did at the beginning of the show. I actually opened the show on purpose because I agree with you. I don't like hearing that. And boy, that is scary because there were clearly people that were completely out of hand. And the fact that they were about 40 feet, I even played right at the very beginning. Um, and Pence's guys didn't even know until this day how close they were, but they were 40 feet away. And you're right. Thank goodness that they didn't get closer. That is really, really scary. And anybody who was planning to do anything or, you know, pushed anybody or made claims like that or any of that stuff, I, I'm with you, Ted. I think you throw the book at them. I, I'm not, you know, you and I are not that far on apart on that point because I actually agree. I think it's horrible, you know, but. I'm not going to suddenly say what they have to prove, Ted, is that President Trump, he firmly believed everything was false and he still went ahead with it. And they have to prove a direct nexus that he directly was part of plotting the violence against uh, Pence, that he was part of the violence against uh, pushing of the police officers, not just saying something that they then responded to and interpreted. If you listen to his words, Ted, and his words were clear, even today, which was not a good day for Trump, if you listen to, you know, it didn't make him look like the nicest guy, but he never claims to be the nicest guy, all right? Um, And if you look at his tweets, he's always kind of, you know, cantankerous and all that. But if you look at what he said, he said, I will be disappointed with Pence. That doesn't say, go hang Mike Pence. And that's from a legal standpoint, Teddy, 
That's what they are not proving so far. So go ahead. I'll let you reply to that. I, I don't think it's pretty, the pushing and the shoving. And thank God those people who were doing it in the Proud Boys didn't get closer. Rita, but, how do you explain John Eastman, the constitutional expert, according to Giuliani, taking the fifth 100 times? Why, Rita? Because Why? you know what? Because a lot of people take the fifth 100 times. And my goodness, if you saw what these guys today, do you, I, there's there's no balance to this, Ted. That's why, quite frankly, I think President Trump would actually do the country a great service by doing his rebuttal. He's asking for equal time from the networks as a result of this because he's going, God, you guys are putting on this huge long to do and I get no reply because the Democrats don't want him to reply. And that's really sad. So it would be interesting to have him, and I say have him and Eastman, get up there and reply. And let's see what they really got. But but a lot of people take the fifth. And guess what? You take it, again, like you said, some people take it for different reasons. Some people take it against self-incrimination, a whole bunch of other reasons. I promise you, if Maxine Waters was there and the shoe were on the other foot, she wouldn't even show up for pleading the fifth. Nor would a lot of these people. So they're a bunch of hypocrites, Ted. But thank you very much for the call. I always love hearing from you. Thank you. Let's go to Patrick in Mississippi on line four. Hi, Mrs. Cosby. Always a pleasure to speak with you, ma'am. Thank you. Go ahead, um, Patrick. Thank you. Great to hear from this, you. Thank you. This um, January 6th committee, well, come on, what can you say? It's not legally constituted, and it's a dog and pony show. And... President Trump was correct when he said Vice President Pence should challenge the electors. And, you know, Pence failed him. Pence failed the country. And it's not good. And the only good thing I can think of what has happened in the last year is that Americans are acquiring firearms and ammunition which is a good thing, because there's going to be trouble in the near future. Well, I hope I hope it's not going to be any sort of violent trouble in the future. Certainly nobody wants that. And, and listen, Pence felt that it was not in his authority to do it. Clearly, Trump thought there was. And today, we heard, even by the experts, and these are obviously the best of the best that they could get, there were some shades of gray. And that I thought actually was real. I was actually stunned to hear that there were some shades of gray. I thought the witnesses they'd put would go 1,000%, blank, blank, blank. There were the two of them, the two, you know, uh, constitutional experts came up and said that this is uncharted territory. One of them called it, quote, constitutional mischief. That's, you know, that to me is not so bad. When somebody said you're creating mischief, I would say that's great. If somebody said you robbed a bank, that's a whole other thing. So there's a big line between mischief and robbing a bank. And that's why I think there were some shades of gray that opened the door. Um, so it's not as, as black and white, um, you know, as, as Teddy would like it to be. And on the other hand, Patrick, I hope that things do not get out of hand because that, that doesn't serve any purpose whatsoever. I hope things are peaceful. Um, but I do think it is a dog and pony show for sure. I agree with you on that, Patrick. It's always good to hear from you. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show.
We are talking about the January 6th hearing today where they revealed some conversations that President Trump had with the Zen Vice President Pence. And also just how close, as we were just talking about, that some people who were outraged with Pence got to him physically. I mean, they were 40 feet away from him. But at the end of the day, was this all just high emotions and no high crimes? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tyrone on line eight. Go ahead, Tyrone, your thoughts. Good evening, Rita. Rita, there's one thing I love about you, and that is when they deal you lemons, you will put a little sugar in it and make lemonade. First of all, you know Trump is sour from the tip of his head to the bottom of his toes. But this man has deceived the American people for many, many years. Let me tell you why. The latest trip was January 6th. You don't have three people in your audience, including myself, who knew that January 6th was a vital date and crucial in turning over the ratification of the presidency. They don't, we don't go on that. What we go on is winter vote in November and January 20th when they're sworn in with the Constitution. Right, that's but what, what what's your America, point? What's your point, Tyrone? The point is, I'm trying to get to it. If you'll let me, yeah, but try to get to it, minutes. please. Go uh, ahead. The point is, the point is that that was the reason they were in Washington. President Trump told them to go there January 6. No one else knew about that, other than two or three people. January 6 was the date for that ratification. He wanted them to go down there and start a ruckus, and they did. I'm telling you, if you take a, a, a poll of your audience, they will admit, yeah, January 6th, I never knew anything about ratification of the presidency at that date. I, and and by the, the way, Tyrone, line. that is an interesting point, but that is it's different. That, no, 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 I, I hear you. I hear you because you're right. It wasn't like we all weren't really talking about January 6th in the past. I agree with you. On the other hand, a lot of people were saying that that's the date to certify that was very well known at that point because of the issues that he was challenging in court and all those other things. So it did become a public date. But even if you take what you just said at your word, right, which I think is an interesting point, Tyrone, it still doesn't mean he wanted them to come for a rally. He wanted to come because he openly had issues with the election, wanted to speak to his supporters. You know, it still doesn't create the nexus between the rally and, quote, the violence at the Capitol. You know what I'm saying? You still have to take that extra leap for them to be able to prove that this is like seditious insurrection and this was violence and this was that Trump orchestrated. He could say, I want to have you come and like you, I'll use your analogy. We're going to do a lemonade stand. All right. We're going to do a lemonade stand. I want you all to come for lemonade and we're going to talk about it for two hours and it happens to be next door to the Capitol. It still doesn't mean that he told them to go to the Capitol and do violence. You have to take it to the extra step, especially when you're talking about the president of the United States at the time. And guess what? The Democrats didn't certify the election. Benny Thompson, the chairman of the committee, still doesn't think President Trump was ever a legitimate president, even in 2016. So how is President Trump worse than him? Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. I know you. 
Trump now asking for equal time to debunk these allegations that are obviously very much one-sided in the January 6th hearings. Do you think President Trump should get equal time? Because these hearings seem to be never-ending. I mean, first today, we know that there's going to be more next week. They announced that. They said they're going to look into whether or not the electoral process should continue in the Constitution, basically. I mean, they're like rewriting the Constitution right now. I mean, these Democrats are like, it's like never going to be ending. They're going to be talking about January 6th for 100 years. Forget gas prices. Forget crime. Forget all these other things. Let's talk about January 6th. Because they look like they will try to do anything to go after President Trump. And in fact, today, the chairman of the committee, Benny Thompson, said, you know what? Anybody out there, even though they've had now, gosh, what is it, 18 months or something since January 6th, you know what, despite all of this and despite the fact that we've talked to a thousand witnesses and they've gotten, they said, about 140,000 pages of documents, that's a lot of stuff. That's a pretty thorough investigation. And DOJ already sort of passed on going after a crime with President Trump, but this committee is trying to obviously revamp it and say, hey, we got new information. Take a look at this. Ba ba ba. They also said, you know what? It's almost like a tip line. Like, you know, when there's a crime, they say, hey, gosh, if you saw that guy in the red shirt going on the subway or you saw him walking down the street in Tennessee or in Seattle, you know what? Uh, if you saw him, here's the tip line. You know, 1-800-COPS, you know. Benny Thompson said, if you saw Trump do anything illegal, here's your tip line. Take a listen to this one. I know the information we presented over the last week is shocking. The idea that a president of the United States would orchestrate a a scheme to stay in power after the people have voted him out of office. We're able to present this information because so many witnesses have cooperated with our probe. But the fact is, there are more people with direct knowledge with evidence germane to our investigation. I ask those who might be on the fence about cooperating to reach out to us. The committee's website address is being displayed behind me, january6.house.gov. There you can view the evidence we presented in our hearings and find a tip line to submit any information you might think would be helpful for our investigation. That's stunning. You know, we've had all this time. But if you've ever seen President Trump commit a crime over the last X decades he's been in office, please call our tip line. You know, we're begging you. We want to do anything to make sure he doesn't run again in 2024. Please help us. I mean, to me, it just was so bizarre and it looks so transparent what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, there are things that he said that day to President, to Vice President Pence that I don't like what I heard. It was painful to hear, I think, for Americans. And I think what these other people did, a number of these people who did push police officers and were trying to try to find Pence and some of these others, that's not appropriate, you know, but they haven't 
proven the facts, I don't think, that President Trump committed a crime, that he is directly planning violence against any of these other individuals. Nothing in the writing said that. He just was unhappy with Pence and he even said that. You know, nothing today really, like, moved the dial. But if you listen to Congressman Aguilar, oh, yeah, Trump basically pulled the trigger, according to him. We've already learned that President Trump knew he lost the 2020 election. Shortly after, he began to look for a way to circumvent our country's most fundamental civic tradition, the peaceful transfer of power. The president latched on to a dangerous theory and would not let go because he was convinced it would keep him in office. We witnessed firsthand what happened when the president of the United States weaponized this theory. The Capitol was overrun, police officers lost their lives, and the vice president was taken to a secure location because his safety was in jeopardy. So President Trump's theory, which he still believes that the election is stolen, that's what the president believes. And by the way, again, as I brought up, Benny Thompson believes that President Trump in 2016 was an illegitimate president. Uh, Jamie Raskin is also on that hearing committee, basically said that the president isn't legitimate. So did Hillary Clinton. So why is there not a hearing on them and their allegations back then? But President Trump believes it's stolen. And that theory was weaponized and the protesters created violence. Are you seeing the dots? They got to connect a lot of dots. It's going to look like a jigsaw puzzle by the time this is done. And I still don't think they've connected it. That's the bottom line, guys. I don't think they've made the connection. And yet, if you listen to some of the liberal commentators, this is NBC News saying today was like the golden goose. What you hear really is a cracking of the black box at the White House. We knew a lot of these details, but the fact that you hear people saying, I was with him, I was in the trenches with former President Trump, and then I lost confidence because things started to go, quote, nuts. That, to me, is really striking. I should also tell you, I've been emailing with some former Trump aides as well as ethic lawyers who say that this part of the hearing has been gold because it really does show that there was a conscious effort and a conscious decision on the part of President Trump to lie. So then here is Jonathan Turley, the great constitutional expert, kind of laying it all out. Listen to how he evaluated today. And he saw it in a very different way than that liberal commentator. They have said at the beginning they're going to establish not just a coup attempt, but a criminal conspiracy. And that requires more than what we've seen. It requires these interstitial connections. It requires a nexus uh, between Trump and these violent acts. We haven't seen that yet. Maybe it's coming. But if they're really serious about building a criminal case, there's even a story out that they want to do a referral to Department of Justice. They're going to need a far more concrete and direct connection to make that case. So have they made the case? I agree with Jonathan Turley. They haven't made the case. They've, you know, it's been a painful chapter, but have they made the case where they have to go then to DOJ to make, quote, a criminal referral to bring up criminal charges against President Trump? Remember, he wasn't in the Capitol. He wasn't out there, you know, screaming, hang Mike Pence. He wasn't trying to push a police officer. I mean, he wasn't doing any of those things. And again, I go back to just kind of stepping away from it. And you got to think the whole thing. Remember with Bernie Sanders, remember when the gunman showed up on the field, open fire when it was baseball practice 
and he was going after Republican members of Congress. He was a Bernie Sanders supporter. Did they go after Bernie Sanders because the guy was inspired that way? You know, I mean, it's like it's a lot of leaps. And I don't think they should have gone after Bernie Sanders, by the way. Absolutely not. But it's the same thing. Are we going to the point where because somebody says this, what about Maxine Waters when she said, you know, when you see these people, you get in their face, you tell them they're not welcome. What about also Chuck Schumer when he came out and said all these things like they will pay a price. They won't know what hit them. And then suddenly a guy shows up outside of Brett Kavanaugh's house. You could use those words, and that's actually almost a more direct connection and an even more serious allegation because a guy showed up with weapons and was planning to kill Kavanaugh at his house. But I don't see anybody going after Schumer. I'm not saying they should, but I didn't like what he said, and that was a lot more insightful, and there were a lot more direct repercussions than what we're seeing here. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to uh, BJ, line eight. Go ahead, BJ, your thoughts. You know, Rita, thanks for having me on. Great show, by the way. You know, the notion that uh, Trump sent a mob to the Capitol to disrupt the objections to uh, the, to the hearing of objections to an election that he was objecting to is absolutely stupid, number one. I heard one of your callers say that, and that's just ridiculous. Number two, you know, last I checked, I think vice presidents and presidents can disagree. And number three, I hope and I really do believe that Trump's story has to get out about this. You know, uh, I don't know why he's not on his own social media site broadcasting the truth, because this 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 riot happened for one reason and one reason alone. And that is the Capitol wasn't protected. The perimeter of the Capitol wasn't protected. And ultimately, that is the Speaker of the House. She was notified that there was and she was uh, they offered her 20,000 troops and she ba- she refused them. That's where this this uh, 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 march on January 6th went sour because it was infiltrated by people with really bad intentions. And it, it, we're lucky we, we it didn't go even worse because it was very, very, very bad. Now, were but, you there, BJ, the, the way you're talking? Were you there? Or do you know no, people I who would, were there? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I was in the dental office, aghast, uh, getting a, a molar filled, <laughs> watching this. Uh, well, uh, by the way, know. I felt like I was getting a molar like pulled today yeah. listening to the hearing. But that's another story. Go ahead. But this is a show trial intended on rewriting history, number one. And number two, this is a total dumpster fire to distract from the failure of the Biden administration from the time he's been inaugurated. We now have double digit. Uh, we, 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 we have gas prices that are in excess of five dollars. The inflation's out of control. Uh, going to the store is is I dread going to the grocery store, let alone uh, gassing up the car. I mean, and and now we're being told we're going into a recession. We have a, a different earthquake on the stock market every day now. But they so, don't want to talk about that, John, and no. you know that. And that's really sad because to your point. Now, let me ask you, you brought up that you think Trump should be um, out there speaking. Yes. So now Trump came out on his truth social, you know, his social media site today, and he said that he firmly believes that he should get equal time, that the networks should give him equal time. What do you think of that? I actually think I actually think he could make that case because they basically had the whole country watching these hearings saying they needed to be heard, they needed to be told, 
And I actually think he could kind of make a compelling case. You know, it's like it's like, you know, fairness doctrine, just like when people are running for office, you you know, you kind of show all sides. Um, and these news networks that always pride themselves on being, quote, fair, um, I think he should demand at minimum, by the way. I mean, maybe you don't need all the hours that they had, um, but maybe you just get at least, hey, I want three hours this one night. Maybe it's just maybe it's even just three hours prime time. Three hours, and I'm going to present my case, and Eastman's going to be there with me, and -and so-and-so's going to be there with me. I'm going to do this. And we're going to have the same rules where we're just going to present the one side in rebuttal and response because they haven't been able to respond. I mean, it's so clear. They're pulling snippets, pulling chunks. Uh, I I think it's a good idea. What do you think, Beach? I think it's an excellent idea. I think a town hall format would be excellent where he has himself and a panel of people and he has, you know, very, very smart people in the uh, in the, the audience of the panel asking questions like the ones that you brought up and really giving and laying it out for the American people, laying it out for everyone and just saying, you know what, they brought this up today. They brought that up today and, and really getting his case because we're not hearing from him. And the reason we're not hearing from him is because we know this is a show trial. If he ever testified before that committee, they would just use it to lay a, a legal trap for him. Right. Or you know? they'd or they'd pull like a snippet, you know, I yeah. mean, just like they're doing with the others. BJ, thank you very much. Let's go to Stan on line three. Stan, your thoughts about this. The guy was on gas before, and he's still on gas. God, please. Which, who are you talking about? Are you talking about? Um, you talking about? I mean, with the with the story, that's that's full of gas. Anyway, <laughs> you know what? I agree with you. Hold on, I agree with you. Stan, I'm having to... a heart attack. You agree? Well, I'm gonna uh, I'm I gonna write mouth? this down. Stan can agrees you, with wait, me. Wait, can, I, can I give you mouth to mouth resuscitation? <laughs> <laughs> Stan, you're getting a little frisky, but go hey, ahead. Ravenous reader, riotous reader. Listen, uh, here's the story. I want him to go on television. Oh, yeah. I want him to get three hours on one condition. I want people to ask him questions. Not not his conspirators, but Democrats. And I'd like the panel that there. Let the panel that's there. He wants to sit in front of him and make a speech? Absolutely. Go ahead, Donnie Dummy. Go do it. But these are the people that will ask you the questions. You can make your statement. You want to make a statement? We'd love to hear it for three hours, but on the condition that this committee can ask you questions for about two or three hours as well. You want three hours? I'll give you the three hours. But as long as the committee can ask you questions, I think we'll have a pretty interesting show. That would be interesting. By the way, and I will give you this. um, You know, I actually think. Don't give me much. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll give you this. I think. But Stan, I do think it's interesting because I think it would be fascinating to hear from them. But then he also gets to present his case and also have equally, not just the committee, but have some of these other folks also asking the Jim Jordans and the Jim Banks. And those are the people that he clearly would have wanted to do the questioning on the Republican side, not these, you know, uh, phonies uh, like the uh, Adam Kinzinger and, and Liz Cheney, who are, you know, the rhinos, as people call them. Um, you know, they're clearly not Trump fans. That's for sure, Stan. And you know that. So if he could get, you know, a combination, I think that would have been really interesting. And, and so, so, Stan, I'm going to write this down. We are in agreement for once, my I friend. Want, I, want him, I want him to do it, but I don't want the conspirators that are with him to be asking the questions. Oh, I don't they want have Giuliani to. there. Oh, he, they, and, then, then and it's not Sydney fair. Powell, those phonies, they're all liars anyway. No, he can do three hours. I'll give him the three. 
But I want that panel to ask him the questions. That's the deal. Well, it has to be. If he has the guts to go and do it, let's see if he'll do it. It has to be. Get off it. Do it, Donnie. It has to be a fair panel. I think it could be those guys, and which are not fair, and then have his fair ones there, too. And I actually think. I think Rudy would do a great job by him um, and, and a number of others. And I, I would love to see that. I'd love to see him throw it right back at him. That would be really, really interesting. 1-800-848-9222. We're going to continue your calls after the break. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Well, it's no secret that President Trump was angry with his vice president that he wouldn't overturn the election. And so today, during the January 6th hearing, they provided some witness testimony discussing a very heart-to-heart call that Trump had with his then-VP. Take a listen. It wasn't a specific, formal discussion. It was very sort of loose and casual. So then you said at some point there's a telephone conversation between the president and the vice president, is that correct? Yes. When I entered the office the second time, he was on the telephone with who I later found out to be was the the vice president. Could you hear the vice president or only hear the president's end? Only hear the president's end. And at some point it started off as a calmer tone and everything and then became heated. The conversation was was pretty heated. I think till it became somewhat, you know, louder tone. I don't think anyone was paying attention to it initially. So, yeah, of course it got heated. And if you asked Trump today, he'd probably repeat the exact same words that he said. And he still believes that the election was stolen, and he still believes that the courts didn't want to hear a lot of the cases, which is true that a lot of them didn't want to hear the cases. So does that now suddenly leap to where there is a crime? Most people say... No, and a lot of constitutional scholars say no. However, in the room today, they say that Trump is basically a huge threat to democracy and he should not be there in 2024. I think they have not proven the case because I think it's a dangerous precedent to set. And I would say it if it was a Democrat there, too, because these guys, my goodness, you know, if the shoe were on the other foot, they'd go, what are you talking about? We're allowed to challenge an election. But President Trump's not allowed to challenge an election? Give me a break. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn, line two. Go ahead, Jimmy. I always love hearing from you. Yes, uh, you had a caller, Ted, then you had Stan, and the last caller before the the 11 o'clock break, three people fanatically anti-Trump. No, the anger against Trump, it's not just that he's a Republican or a conservative or even that he's a white guy some people may not like. Trump stood up to the drug cartels. Trump stood up to Soviets. He stood up to communist China. He solved all our problems. He made all the other presidents look bad. These people on the left, look what Stan wants. He's willing to let Trump have three hours, but Trump has to be harangued by leftists. Well, that's why, so that's why to- Jimmy, you heard what I said. I said, you know, maybe you have a, le- a couple of them ask questions, but he also has to be able to have Jim Banks and Jim Jordan and those guys ask questions, too, because I agree with you, Jimmy. It's like it is just it is crazy and it's loony land. It, it really is. It's completely ridiculous. 
and completely inappropriate. Um, you know, and and I actually think he should get equal time. What do you think, Jim? Real quick, what are your thoughts? Yes, equal time. But the conservatives ought to be able to ask the people at the January sixth committee. The fact that Benny Thompson was a Castro supporter, praised by Castro. Castro killed millions of people in Africa, helping to flood us with drugs for decades. Castro and Benny Thompson is a supporter of Castro, and Castro's newspaper praised Thompson. And, and by and by the way, Jimmy. And Jimmy, by the way, he also, Benny Thompson, also criticized President Trump. By the way, Benny Thompson also had a hard time with Bush v. Gore and didn't feel that Bush was legitimate. So, boy, is the pot calling the kettle black. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which I love doing, and this one's very near and dear and close to my heart, where we get to honor great veterans and their families. This one coming from Collins, Mississippi, where a resident at the State Veterans Home in Collins, Mississippi, has been presented with France's highest honor for his efforts to help liberate that country from Nazi occupation in World War II. Henry H. Bennett, 99 years old, was awarded the Legion of Honor in a ceremony on Wednesday morning. How beautiful is that? Bennett, who is a Marion County, Mississippi native, was a nose gunner on a B-24 bomber. He took part in many air operations in Europe, including those in support of the Allied invasion of Normandy. He said uh, that it was such an honor to be there and to be present. And by the way, the Consul General of France in Atlanta was also there. And he said that it is always a moving moment for him to see these veterans firsthand, now nearly one century old, but still truly liberating uh, living legends. They liberated my country, my region, and how can we ever, ever repay them? So beautiful to see this and great that the country of France definitely never forgets the sacrifice of our great American heroes. I know I've said this to you guys on the show before. I've been to Normandy um, and been there, and I hope any of you get a chance to go there and go to France. And when they hear, uh, you know, about World War II veterans, they are so grateful and always say that they would not be around if it wasn't for the Americans. And so I love that they have never, ever, ever forgotten Well, we are talking about the January 6th hearings because it is just outrageous. Some of the comments that came today, and it's like uh, democracy, our country was about to be wiped off the map. And we put it in perspective, of course, as we were just talking about Normandy and everything else. But if you listen to Benny Thompson, who is the chair of the January 6th committee, you would basically think that the world was coming to an end And it's all because of President Trump. Listen to what Benny Thompson, the Democrat chair of the January 6th committee, said today. Our democracy came dangerously close to catastrophe. That courage put him in tremendous danger. When Mike Pence made it clear that he wouldn't give in to Donald Trump's scheme, Donald Trump turned the mob on him. A mob that was chanting, hang Mike Pence a mob that had built a hangman's gallows just outside the Capitol. Thanks in part to Mike Pence, our democracy withstood Donald Trump's scheme 
and the violence of January 6th. But the danger hasn't receded. Because President Trump is still around and he still might run. It's like like you would have thought like everything. It's almost like, you know, Biden blames everything on Putin. Well, Benny Thompson would blame if it was raining today on President Trump. I mean, the way they even ended was basically saying we're going to look at the Electoral College because of President Trump. What, are they going to try to, like, stack the Supreme Court because of President Trump? They're going to try to do X because of President Trump. It just shows they are so worried about President Trump. And from a perspective of these hearings, I still don't think they have really been successful. They've showed that maybe some of the comments President Trump made were clearly not, you know, nice comments. Uh, Clearly, he was upset with the way the elections were. But to then take the leap that basically he is solely responsible for the violence that these people carried out. And again, many people were peaceful that day. They followed his message of being peaceful. That's a leap. That's a big leap, you guys. And President Trump is now demanding equal time with the networks than these, you know, in touch with these hearings. I think you should get it or at least get some of it. That's my advice. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Phil on line seven. Go ahead, Phil. Your thoughts. Yeah. Hi, Rita. Good evening. Um this is something very, very fascinating here that no one has touched on. Uh, I, I, I've got a relative who's in the broadcast the syndication thing, and they, I had a talk with them. They called me up. They said, you want to know something interesting? Ask, ask the talk show people, who's paying for all this airtime? Because I said, well, how much, how much does this airtime cost? I don't know anything about it. He educated me real quick. And he says, we're talking $50,000 for half a minute. And I said, so if the guy's on for three hours, that's like almost a million bucks. He said, no, hell of a lot more than a million. Oh, yeah. He said, said, who's paying for this? He said, are the taxpayers paying for it? And I was like, yeah, are the taxpayers? Who's paying for this airtime? And the fact that 50 stations have syndicated it all over the country, and it's, it's, it's it's just all pervasive. As for Trump. You know, having having his say, why don't the Republicans pull out some of that green stuff that they got in their bank accounts and put up something on the Internet, have have a a similar thing to what's going on with these people on on TV where they can at least counter this. So you've got an informed public. But, you know, you know, ultimately, the bottom line of this before I go, it's very simple. The dark veil of socialist and communism is falling over this country. It's almost down to the stage, and if it does, we're finished. Canada is already finished. We cannot afford to go because if the United States goes, Rita, there goes the world. No, you're right. We are the greatest country, as you know all too well, and and leading the charge, you know, and and freedom around the world, as we were talking about Normandy just now and everything. Um, Phil, you know, I think – here's my thought based on what you're saying – um, because you're right, they're giving the Democrats all this airtime. I actually think Trump could make a good case even to say, give me two hours in prime time, you know. And I actually think if I were the networks, I mean, a lot of them are clearly biased against him. I mean, we've seen that from day one. But it would be an interesting case because a lot of people would tune in and they really do care about not just their liberal philosophy, but they also care about ratings. And Trump was always a ratings getter. So if I were one of the networks, if he said, I am demanding on this day that I get equal time, it would put him in a box if they don't carry it. 
Or just like you said, maybe you buy an hour or two of prime time. You know, you, you get folks to say, I'm going to buy an hour or two. And then he solely replies for an hour or two. I bet you many people would tune in to that and probably a lot more uh, than the audience that half the time is going to sleep on these. Phil, thank you. Let's go to Nokel. Uh, line two. Go ahead, Nokel. Your thoughts. Greta, thanks so much for taking the call. Even though I'm a liberal and you don't like what I have to say. Oh, but, but can I, I one thing? Hey, hey, one thing, Nokel. Yes. I love what everybody has to say. So thank you. I always appreciate hearing from all sides. Okay. So go ahead. Thank you. Okay. You know, I think it is incumbent upon us, as we're doing, to have those hearings and to highlight what happened on January 6th and pull out all the stops and go to the most extreme so that we, because our election is so sacred and we want to have a fair and free election, we don't want that every time a loser loses like Trump, that we're in like, say, November when the Republicans lose, that we don't have a riot like we had on January 6th. And let me tell you one more thing. The mayor of Washington didn't send in the National Guard when Trump asked for it. I'll tell you why. She was very smart. She didn't think that Donald Trump was a monster like he was and that he was still going to hold the protest on January 6th when he saw that the National Guard wasn't arriving. But he didn't care. He should have called off the protest. The mayor didn't send in the security, so that way he should oh, call no it call, off. Wait, no wait, 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 wait. You are like, boy, are you like dancing and weaving with the facts. Uh, first off... You know, the fact that he didn't call off it because he was calling for a rally. Why should he call off what was supposed to be, quote, a peaceful rally? And you all always have extra security for a rally. I've even said on the air, Nokel, that if it was like 5,000 grandmothers, I would want 5,000. I'd want extra security. So they should have had extra security. We still don't know why they didn't call it. You know, we don't know why the mayor didn't, why Nancy Pelosi didn't, all these people. We don't know. And that's that that I think is a shame because we should know. Why would you not have extra security for a huge rally, even if it was, quote, a peaceful rally? Second of all, you're tying everything to him. And you don't know that you're making a lot of suppositions. And you're assuming that if we don't highlight January 6th, that by highlighting it, we're going to question, you know, basically quell all riots. Are you kidding me? What happened in 2020, Nokel, when there were protests in every city in this country? And I wasn't necessarily Republican supporters doing it. Why have we not had hearings on the riots of the summer of 2020, Nokel? Why are the Democrats that are so angry about what happened on January 6th? And I didn't like seeing the Capitol stormed or any of those things. I agree with you on that part. But why are we not seeing the Democrats equally angry? Because they just are angry at the ones that are against them politically. That's what it comes down to, because in that summer, there was so much damage and so much destruction, yet they want to ignore all of that and the deaths and all of that. So your argument that, oh, if we just highlight January 6th, there'll be no more riots. Well, then there should be a hearing on every single one in 2020. And that ain't going to happen under these Democrats because they are phony baloney. And your argument is also as well, Noko. But I love hearing from you. Thank you very, very much. Everybody, speaking of Democrats and speaking of picking and choosing, we are talking now also about a really sad case. Um, And I'm going to continue with your calls also, by the way, after this too as well. Um, But this is just horrible. And we talked about it yesterday because this has been a devastating week. Speaking about the left, many of them were calling for defund the police. Uh, During some of these riots that we talked about in 2020, they were bashing police's heads. You know, they remember with bricks and chairs and everything else. And the Democrats did nothing about those, you guys. And that's sad. And that's why I call it like I see it. That was such a hypocrisy that they're focused on January 6th 
yet the violence of 2020 has not been highlighted. And a lot of it is also the soft on crime policies that we've seen of DAs across the country. And lately we saw San Fran's DA get the boot. So could George Gascon in L.A. be next? Well, now there is a lot of attention to a connection between him and his policies and the man who shot and killed just recently an El Monte, California, two El Monte, California police officers. And you look at the guy's rap sheet that was behind this. It's a repeat offender. He got a pass over and over again. Take a listen, first of all, what happened to these two cops. We talked about what happened to them last night on the show, and it is absolutely tragic. Heartbroken doesn't begin to express the loss that we feel with the news that two of our Albany police officers were shot today in the line of duty. As our officers do on a daily basis, they were acting as the first line of defense for our community members when they were essentially ambushed while trying to keep a family safe. And joining us now to talk about this case of a repeat offender who was the guy who killed these two police officers is Deputy L.A. District Attorney John Hatami. Um, John, great to have you here on the show. Thank you for holding to. We appreciate it. And, you know, and John, I want to ask you, because you look at this guy's track record. His name's 35-year-old Justin Flores. Thank goodness uh, he is now behind bars for the brutal murder of these two great heroes, these two cops. But this guy had a track record. And tell me how you believe that Gascon's policies led to basically this guy getting a pass prior to this. Um, thank you for having me, Rita. First, I'd really like to express my prayers and condolences to the family of Michael and Joseph. These were two very honorable police officers. They grew up in El Monte. Um, they were married. They had children, young children, and they were brutally murdered um, by somebody who should never have been out of custody. And so um, my prayers to them to to the community of El Monte and to the partners. Um, it's been a difficult, difficult uh, last couple of days. I, I want people to remember that for the families, this is real life. And even though we talk about it in the news, and probably after a couple of weeks we won't talk about it anymore. I hope. By the way, I hope we keep talking it. about it. I agree with you. I we do. should. Yeah, and, we should not no, forget. I agree, Rita. You're right. I just. I just. You know. I, I know how the news kind of works, and not to, not to put anybody down, but. I just want people to realize these families have to live this, this forever. This individual, Reed, and I want your listeners to know, was arrested and convicted for felony vehicle theft in 2009, and he was sentenced to prison. He went to prison, got out, and then he was arrested and convicted for felony first-degree residential burglary, which is a strike here in California. He also went to prison again. Uh, he was released. He had between 10 and 20 arrests during a 10-year time period. Uh, he also uh, physically abused his wife. And then in two, 2020, he was arrested again. And this time he had a firearm. And as a felon, that's illegal. He had ammunition and he had methamphetamine. Based upon George Gascon's policies alone, not considering the evidence, the facts, the public safety, his long criminal record, and the fact that this individual is a danger to society, George Gascon allowed the strike, the first-degree residential burglar, to be stricken. And even though he had two prior prison commitments, gave this individual probation. Uh, a year later, he got another gun illegally, and he murdered these two police officers. Now, the murderer is ultimately responsible for what happened. 
but George Gascon bears some responsibility for this. He is the elected district attorney, and he's enacted blanket policies that have excluded the law, excluded evidence, excluded public safety, and, and excluded just common sense. And, and he's a, he allowed a really dangerous individual to get probation, and this individual killed two police officers. And he bears some responsibility for that. You know, John, this is heartbreaking when you hear the background. And as someone who here you are, you you know, you're still there in that office there and seeing it firsthand. We're so grateful that there are people like you who are defending um, and helping victims, most importantly, and making sure that these bad guys get off the streets. Because it sounds like Gascon is not doing that, um, as are a number of other soft on crime DAs. But it's amazing. What does it take? I mean, you look at this track record of this guy and you look at the history, just as you brought up, Um, you know, there's that burglary in 2011. There's the, you know, felony possession of a firearm and methamphetamines. It's like you just kind of keep going through the list. It's like, what what is it going to take for these soft on crime DAs to get a wake up call finally? Because you, you know, as well as anybody, it's this broken windows theory. These things happen and things get worse. And you can see he's building up, John. No, you're, you're, you're right, Rita. You know, and first, I appreciate you and a lot of the media for trying to bring attention to this because it seems like, you know, a lot of our leaders or so-called leaders somehow think a high murder rate is progress or a high murder rate is reform. The, the, those are neither progress nor reform. Living in, in, in Los Angeles and raising my kids here, it's become very, very dangerous. That's not a reform. That's not progress. Um, we've, ha- we've allowed these software and crime DAs like the one in Manhattan, like the one here in Los Angeles, like the one in San Francisco, uh, like the one in Chicago, the one in Baltimore, to not only cause havoc and mayhem in our country, but but have basically lied to everybody and said that somehow they're going to reform the system and make it better. Well, they've made it worse by releasing violent criminals who have victimized so many innocent individuals uh, and now have killed you know, two police officers. And I hope, I hope people wake up and say that enough is enough. We should not have these type of prosecutors. A prosecutor should be a public prosecutor, not a public defender. A prosecutor is supposed to prosecute crime and protect the public. And that's what we need here in Los Angeles. And real quick, John, I know you're close on this uh, recall effort of John Hatami. I know it's just a few weeks away. How close are you to getting the signatures to actually have a recall vote happen? So we needed 566,000 signatures. We have got 566,000 signatures. So we've made the, the we've, we've reached the amount we needed. However, and, and as you know, Rita, you get a lot of these individuals who are in charge who play games with um, elections. And so to make sure that they don't kick our signatures or say that they're not valid, we're trying to reach over 700,000 signatures to assure that this will get on the ballot. And so we have about 15 more days. And so we are, we are doing everything we can every day to try to reach over 700,000 signatures to assure that they're not going to play some sort of game and kick our um, signatures uh, out. And so I think it's going to happen. We still have to work really, really hard to get these signatures, um, but it's looking positive, and it's looking like we can get it on the ballot and, and get George Gascon out of office. 
Bravo, bravo, bravo. Uh, Jonna, Tommy, thank you for all you do. And always great having you here on the show. And keep us posted on how this recall effort, the whole country has been watching this. And it is so important that criminals who commit crimes early on, they get the message that they can't continue. And, of course, this one right now, as we're looking, has such tragic, horrible circumstances. And just as you said so beautifully, our thoughts and prayers so much are with uh, the families of these two police officers and really all officers because it's a, it's such a close family. They're all family, um, and it's just heartbreaking to see. John and Tommy, thank you very much. Great to have you here. No, thank you so much, Rita, for all you do. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Great to have you here. And when we come back, everybody, we're going to take your calls. one 800 It's the Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about these soft on crime DAs, and we're talking about uh, the tough rhetoric and heavily politicized January 6 hearings, which today you would have thought like the world had ended. But let's not talk about the riots that we had no problem with in 2020. 1 800 848 Let's go to Eileen. On line four. Go ahead, Eileen. What did you think of the show today? I didn't watch it, but um, one thing I want to say about Stan, he was talking about somebody being gassed. Yeah, you were talking. You were talking about Stan, uh, who called in because the guy was talking about how he had a, a molar pull. A molar remote. Yeah. Well, I think Stan is gassed. He must have eaten too much Taco Bell. Oh, oh, Stan's, by the way, Stan is always on fire, so that may be the case. (laughs) Yeah, well, maybe he puts hot sauce on Exactly, just triple hot sauce, right. (laughs) Okay, number two, I think Mike Pence really took a nasty dump on Donald Trump. Yeah, he, no, he did. He he did. He, Eileen, by the way, he absolutely did, and I think, you know, he Listen, he said he felt that he couldn't do it. He said he had attorneys who said he couldn't do it. Trump felt he could. And they clearly had a very strong difference of opinion. Uh, Let's go to Paul real quick. Paul, uh, on line seven, go ahead real quick, Paul, your thoughts. Hey, Rita, real quick. Uh, I didn't watch the hearings, but I watched CapitalPunishmentTheMovie.com. It's a worthwhile watch. It gives you the whole side of the story. Just real quick, what's your summation? What's your thoughts? Real quick, Paul. There were agitators in there. There were FBI informants. It was a setup. I sent you a link on RitaCosby.com. Take a look at it. It's worthwhile. All right. We'll take a look. And by the way, there are a lot of questions. We don't know why was the National Guard not there. Uh, Why did Nancy Pelosi turn some of these things down? I hope, by the way, that Trump gets equal time and gets to reply. That will be must-see TV.